heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and I'm here on the line live with Allison Pina. Allison, are you there? I am here. Awesome. So glad to have you here, Allison. Let me go through a quick bio for those of you who don't, um, those of our guests who don't know who you are, and uh, then we'll get into your story. So I loved your uh, your website up here. It actually said, AKA the Bad Widow. I'm kind of curious to learn what that means here in a little while, but Allison is the leading expert on reinventing yourself after the loss of a loved one, getting back to financial stability and thriving. Your husband died in your arms at home in 2016 after an 11 month battle with pancreatic ca cancer. Um, and data shows that the loss of a spouse or partner has severe economic, emotional, and health implications. Um, and you help people make that transition. Is that right? I do. I do. So that, that is a, uh, that's a, a powerful start for, for a, a story. Um, so uh, first off, sorry so much for your loss. I know that's a really tough thing to have to deal with. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, how did you make that transition from being someone who's in that situation to being someone who's empowering others in that situation? Because that's a really interesting story, how you got to be known for that. Well, um, to answer the question about Bad Widow, because it's kind of relevant, um, what I discovered is that there are a lot of conversations that people are unwilling to have with someone who's just lost a loved one and uh, they just don't want to get it wrong and the person who's lost someone doesn't know what they want yeah. I mean basically they want the person they love back and nobody can give them that and so there's nothing else that they can say that they want and there's so there's nothing anyone can do really yeah and um, so what I found was that there were a lot of head resources and planning resources like, okay, here's how you organize your finances and here's how you, you know, and especially right afterwards, I could barely pay the bills. You know, I mean, I could barely get out of bed. And so because there were no resources, I decided I would make them and build them because to get back to thriving and to get back to whole myself I needed something and there was nothing out there that was relevant um, and so bad widow is because I was willing to have disruptive conversations and to be vulnerable online about yeah. everything that was going on um, you know, to talk about all the breakdowns that I was in the middle of. And so I started talking about it. I started writing in uh, my website, which is Bad Widow, um, about it. And people started writing in and saying, oh, now I understand why it's 40 years later and I'm not done grieving. Now I understand. Now you're speaking to what I know to be my experience. Because mm -hmm. people typically write about the resources without coming from that raw place. Yeah, like where, where they're actually like feeling the emotions and the pain and how you have to like, I don't act in spite of them. Yeah, and the confusion, like my husband and I were together for 25 years. 
Mm. So you wind around each other like vines. And there are, when you're married, right? So Yeah, yeah. I've been married for 11 years now. Yeah. And in the beginning, especially, you, you give to each other and you compromise maybe on some things you wouldn't later compromise on. Um, and so there were things after my husband died that I thought, you know, I don't really like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was figuring out what was his and what was mine and now what was mine without him what was mine yeah. alone. And so I started speaking to people about that. And I started being willing to have these conversations and providing help because I needed it so badly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, uh, it's something my, my wife and I have discussed. Um, you know, if, if uh, she were to ever, you know, pass away early or something like that, um, we've talked about like, just how much of my life relies on her and her skill set and what she does in our home um and and yeah. like how difficult it would be just to figure out how to like keep homeostasis if she wasn't here um and you know the of course the opposite is true as well for her um but and like that that's like thinking with a clear head like and we're not in that situation not dealing with those emotions and i could imagine it would be significantly more difficult um on the other side yeah and there's there's um just there's how do you get clear about what you want now and then there's how do you take action again when you're swallowed by emotions mm -hmm. and then there's um with your community when some people have stepped up some people have stepped back and some people have stepped at that out entirely of your life who you counted on how do you rebuild a network that will support you because especially if you're a widow so in, in the world of bereavement, um, there are 13.7 widowed persons in the United States, 13.7 million widowed persons in the United States, 11 million are widows. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, so it's like most of them are women. Most of them are women. Yep. That is understandable. Men are crazier and more likely to kill themselves. Well, and, and if you look at actuarial tables, you know, women typically live longer than men as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so but off um, track. <laughs> so my, my curiosity is, is so you, you've turned this into an entrepreneurial, um, like, business for yourself. And I'm curious, is that, was that a new thing for you? Or had you been an entrepreneur previously before you were widowed or like how did that work for you so um you know on our show we sort of talk about it as the origin story right where you started to uh to realize you were different that you had those superpowers was that something that you just came into or something you've had to develop since um i've always been entrepreneurial because it's in my nature to look at things and see what works what doesn't work and how to fix it and also injustices make me absolutely crazy so the injustices in companies, yeah. I love to work. I'm a horrible employee, horrible, because I, right? <laughs> I mean, I see these unfair things happening in companies, and I, I, I'm driven to, to try and change them to make them more equitable. And so it was sort of always in my nature to be entrepreneurial. I always had a side gig of some kind network marketing. I started consulting, not Bad Widow, um, but another thing that I bent into Bad Widow in um, 2014. So I've been at this for a while. So you've been doing the, the whole entrepreneur game for a long time. Um, so how, did, was it just sort of a natural um, changeover to, to move your consulting practice into this area? Or is it something that you had to like sort of shift all the things around and make it work? Um, I didn't really have to shift all the things around. I, I, um, the, the first, when I first started into the consulting, I was about to turn 50 and it was like, I was working in an advertising firm and I looked at my life and I thought, is this what I'm meant to be doing with my life? And the answer was absolutely not. But I'd so buried what I was really meant to be doing with my life 
that it took me a while to figure it out. <laughs> and, and then I just started, you know, and I just started serving people um, and was happy, you know, it, in, in companies, I never found a place where I could serve in the way I wanted to serve. Um, and so I would wind up miserable after about two years. So I was a financial consultant. I was a proofreader. I was a medical editor. I've done many, many things. Um, but in companies, I never had the autonomy to make the changes that would make things work. Yeah. And I couldn't stand it that they didn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost sounds to me like, like you, you uh, the bad widow was, there was an impetus to sort of discover what your superpower was, to discover what your unique gift was. And when you finally found it, you're like, I've I found the thing that I can do. Um, and is that, does that sound accurate? It does. And, and Bad Widow, it's a heck of a story. I mean, yeah. it, it really is a heck of a story. It's a very compelling grounding for why I can talk about anything. Yeah. You know, because I reinvented myself from the ground up. I was torn down to nothing. Yeah. And, and I had to, I wasn't willing just to survive. I was committed to thriving. And I was just going to get it done. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely that. It's that entrepreneurial attitude right there. So, um, you know, we talk regularly on the show about your superpowers, right? And the, the, I've been recently, I've been reframing this question a little bit to um, it. This your superpower is really it's the one thing that energizes all the rest of your skills, right? It's the uh, it's the it's sort of like your baseline, and it's something that I mean, the reason I've been reframing it is because something that I've I've sort of discovered in my own life recently is like I had all these things that I was pretty good at. And you realize that like the reason I was good at those things is because there was an underlying skill that allowed all those other things to happen. Um, and I'm curious if this whole situation that sort of helped you discover that superpower. And if you, if you know now, what do you think that is? Uh, I think it's really, um, I, I, when I was a kid, even I, I looked at people and there was a, people didn't know that they were enough. They didn't know that there were things that only they could provide into the world. Nobody else could. Like yeah, there was their, nobody. Their unique who abilities could. and gifts. Exactly. Exactly. So there's no redundancy. It's nonsense. There yeah. are a million social media strategists. No one strategist delivers in exactly the same way. Yet there's this myth that there's not enough. And mm. there's this myth that we're not enough. And after I became a widow, I felt literally broken. And I began looking at all the ways in which people have circumstances happen. So they get downsized, they lose their home, they lose a loved one, um, something happens, they age, yeah. you know, something happens that changes their, um, possibilities you know what they what they see see their future will be suddenly yeah. shifts in an instant it changes their story arc it changes their story arc completely and then the circumstances break them mm -hmm. and so i started looking at what if it's not the circumstances what if you could get to the inner core of people and then they would have resilience and resourcefulness and they could be who they were born to be organically yeah right and so that's what i work with people i work with people to come so back into themselves that they can then make the choices that have them thrive yeah that's actually the uh it's, it's very similar to the reason i started this show which is the idea that it's people's unique story that the world needs more of right it's your story and you know regardless if you had the like literally the exact same skill set in every facet as another person the story that you bring to bear to that skill set changes it completely right your Absolutely. your perspective your unique history and everything 
Um, and there's, there's nothing more powerful than you being you, yep. right? And, and, um, and bringing your value to the world. Yeah, I totally agree. And so I basically leveraged being a widow, you know, legit this happened to me to be able to talk about anything. Because I can talk about anything that I went through, any um, sort of passage I came through to get back to whole um, from, you know, work to dating to sex to everything. Um, I'm curious then how how did that transition um, like you have you have the story here of like I I I've got the story of being a widow. How did you trans that transition then into like who are your clients now? Are they other widows or are you just helping people who are like in, in any stage of life transition? Like what's the uh, like who's who are your clients now and what are you generally offering? Um, it's a real range. Uh, mostly people in transition. I do work with a lot of widows. I work with people who date widowers or widows because there are some peculiar things about us. Um, so it, it's a range. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I like working with a lot of different kinds of people and different I have a long attention span and a short attention span. <laughs> so <laughs> I love working with people, but I love working with all different kinds of people because it fascinates me. I mean, the, the, I find who people are to be really magical and like discovering the key that makes everything happen for them is an amazing thing. And what I, have discovered that in any transition people grieve but we don't allow ourselves to grieve mm -hmm. the transitions because it's a loss it is the death of the future imagined that will never come to pass yeah yeah and this 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 is probably a strange parallel but i remember having that feeling each time we got pregnant with our next child yep um, because I was like, you have, you have in your head, like this picture of what your family looks like going forward. And yep. then when you like, it's really exciting to have another child, but you realize that everything you imagined about your future with your, you know, two children is now going to be completely different with three. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I know that, that that's a strange parallel, but I, I, I get that idea. Yeah. So it's possibility and tragedy at the same moment. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's both happiness and sadness in that, which is sort of what makes excitement what it is. Exactly, exactly. But people don't allow themselves that other side. We're mm -hmm. such a culture of, um, you gotta be happy. Yeah, but no, maybe happy is all of it, you know? Yeah, happy is all of it. And that's one of the things that like, my wife and I have discussed that particularly because the, that, like, that exact thing with having, with having a baby people are always like, you, you're always excited. Like you should be excited about babies. And like, and we are like, everyone's excited about, you know, most people are really excited about having a baby, but at the same time, yeah. there's also like, my family's going to be different now. And yes. if you share that with other people, like publicly that you're like, I'm a little bit sad at the same time. They're yeah, like, yeah. well, you're crazy. And like, I can imagine that significantly worse with like life transitions, like, you know, becoming a widow and things like that and realizing, you know, how, how do you help someone deal with those emotions? Because they do come in the full spectrum, right? It's not all just happy emotions. Oh, exactly. I mean, deciding, so it's easier to go back to work. When I went back to work, it was, you know, I had, the problem was energy and memory. So from a very capable person, I had the attention span of a flea. Mm -hmm. And so the first job that I took was four hours at, um, pop-up shop for Halloween yeah that's all I could do and I was a um, I was a medical editor for a pharma brand for an advertising firm like very detailed very specific work I couldn't do it I couldn't do it and so bit by bit but opening up to love was the hardest thing yeah. felt like the biggest betrayal because 
you know, and it makes no sense. My husband was dead. So it's yeah. not like I was cheating. <laughs> it's not like you can hurt him, right? <laughs> it's not like I can hurt him, but it felt like that. Yeah. It felt like that. And so being willing to feel joy again was a really challenging experience. But to live into the fullness of life, you have to have the whole spectrum. And that includes joy. That includes love. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it reminds me of a, a concept I, I've been tossing around lately. Like, um, I, if, if you've watched the show a little bit, you know, my wife and I travel full time with yep. our kids. And one of the things that um, I've I'm, I'm tossing this concept around for a book and the idea is, um, is what, contrast, right? That one of the things that makes life so joyful and fun mm -hmm. is the contrast of the positive with the negative, right? And, you yeah. know, the, uh, um, you know, like traveling on the road, you go to that one restaurant on the side of the road that you're like, everyone says it's great and you get there and it's just the worst food you've ever had in your entire life. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, you're at, you know, a place and the, the food is just phenomenal. And it's, it's the contrast between the good and the bad that makes life interesting. If everything was always good, it's not interesting. If everything's always bad, it's also not interesting. Right. right. Um, and the interest and the joy and the fun of life comes in experiencing the full breadth um, mm -hmm. of, of, you know, the emotions of the experiences and things like that. Yeah. I mean, one of the most fascinating things about the, um, this 11 months when my husband was dying is that um, we had, our, our marriage had become a lot about logistics. We had been, it's easy, you know, I mean, you, things have to get done and you're just taking care of things and you're going yeah. to work and, and it gets like this, right? And very routine, very routine. And it's hard to jump out of that to recommit to love. But in those 11 months, so the, the um, time span for pancreatic cancer is um, six weeks to four months. And my husband lived 11. But we were really living like, okay, for us, one day tomorrow is going to be the last day, for real. Not like mm -hmm. just saying, what would you do if tomorrow was the last day? It like was going to be. A possibility. It was, it was, it was almost a certainty. Yeah. It was almost a certainty. And so um, in the, so we lived like that. Like we recommitted to our love like that. Like, okay, maybe tomorrow you won't be here to love. So I'm going to love you as much as I can. And it, it was rough. You know, the whole thing was rough. But we also... I wanted to speak on stages. It had been on my bucket list for 10 years. I spoke on three stages while he was dying. I did two cabaret shows because I needed to remember I wasn't just a caregiver and I wasn't just going to be a widow. Yeah, there's, there's more to it. And, you know, good on your husband for allowing you and hopefully encouraging you to do those things. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did my last cabaret show the Tuesday before he died and he died on Saturday at home. Um, yeah, yeah, that's rough. And he worked up until the Thursday before he died. I made sure that he loved his work. He was a, an artist. So all the paintings yeah. behind me, they're all his, all his. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I can, I can imagine the, uh, there's just so much that you would have to, uh, to work with like you know you, you mentioned getting back into the dating world like you bring someone home your husband's work is all over the wall um or your ex-husband at this point and you know that's that's got to be an interesting thing to just like know how to deal with on both sides of that equation oh yeah i mean my husband was very prolific i have 800 paintings in the house 800 wow yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, just judging from the works on the wall, looks like he was really good too, so. He was fabulous. He was really, really good. But it took a, a very special guy to be able to handle that. Yeah. You know, it's not like a, just a picture tucked away in a drawer. It's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's all of your ex-husbands working out feeling uh, 
um, you know, like he's competing with that, I guess. So. Well, and there was also the, um, it'll take me a lifetime to, to sell 800 paintings. Yeah. And so there was the question after he died of how do I keep going with my life? Tend to his legacy, but I have my own work to do. Yeah. No, I don't intend for my work to be finishing out his life when he's gone. Yeah. Um, so that's been quite the balance. Yeah, lots of lots of things you have to balance in, in that situation. So mm -hmm. um, I want to I want to transition just a little bit and talk. So if if your if your superpower is helping people who are in these kind of situations discover themselves and discover their unique story, the opposite side of your superpower is your fatal flaw, right? So just like Superman is kryptonite, for you and in growing this business, is there something that you have? struggled with and more importantly you know struggled to either grow the business or get clients or any of the things that go along with running a business particularly in a hard emotional space like this that you struggled with and more importantly how have you dealt with that so other entrepreneurs who might be dealing with similar things can learn from your experience there i guess the thing i've struggled struggled with most is being um consistently visible mm -hmm. um you know i did a hundred live streams in a row, a hundred days of live streams in a row. I talked about Dave's dying throughout. And, and whenever I would go online, you know, 300 people would comment, you know, it was crazy. And then I would get overwhelmed and scared about being too visible, about yeah. worrying about being like eaten up uh, too much, letting someone down. And so I guess being consistently visible has been the, the thing I've struggled with most. So how, how have you been uh, dealing with that now? Um, really scheduling. I mean, my, my conclusion is that speaking, that's one of my real superpowers. Mm -hmm. um, and I love, 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 you know, serving people, talking to people. Um, I've done a lot of, relatively a lot of podcasts and radio shows and stuff. I've done probably 30 or so at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and serving a bigger audience. So creating a ripple effect. Yeah. Having people see that it's possible to know who they are so solidly that if they hit a transition, if a circumstance knocks them down, they can get back to whole. They yeah. can get back to resourceful. Like there are ways for them to um, return to themselves. And yeah. So one of the things that I find really interesting about, um, about that whole idea that being consistently visible is a flaw um, is that oh, one of the businesses that I've run for a number of years is helping expert brands be visible, right? And run their things. And one of the things that I've, I've noticed is that a lot of people struggle with that. They don't always identify it, but mm -hmm. they struggle with being consistently visible. And um, it goes in, uh, I, I call them like, like sprints, right? People are like, I need to do a hundred days of live stream or I'm going to, you know, I've got a client now is like, I'm going to do a video, um, three videos a week for the rest of my life. And I'm, and, and, or, and they commit to something, whatever it is. Yep. Um, and generally people will overcommit themselves to something that they can't sustain. Mm -hmm. um, and so the thing that I have found for my clients that has been the most sustainable is like you said, to schedule. And then the yep. second part of that is to batch. Um, so, so I tell people to batch and schedule your your appearances um, and like, so most of, most of our clients, we tell them you should do a weekly show, right? Cause mm -hmm. consistency is more important than volume. Yep. Um, and you know, if you wanted to be the kind of person who's going to do, you know, a hundred live streams in a row and keep that going, you know, ad nauseum, you have to dedicate your life to that. Yep. Right. It's, it's like, that becomes your life. And what I found is if you can, if you can do like, Hey, I'm going to do a weekly show. Right. And, you know, maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's an hour, whatever it is. Um, if that, that's a lot more manageable. Um, and then it's also something that you can, you can batch monthly. You can say, Hey, I'm going to do four shows 
first Monday of the, of the month, we, I sit down for four hours and we record all of my content. And that's mm-hmm. something that you can keep up for a long, 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 long time. Um, and, yep. you know, it's actually the format we use for this show um, because it's something I know I can keep with. And, you know, we're a year, a year into this now, year and a, a couple of weeks, and we managed to get like 67 episodes recorded for the year for this last year, which was really cool. But part of that is because I learned a bunch from my clients, seeing them struggle with that, like what's, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I know I'm not going to be able to just keep up with it if I say I'm going to do, you know, two episodes a week or three episodes a week or whatever it is. I was like, I can do a week. I can do one episode a week Yep, yep. <laughs> and schedule it in batches. So anyways, I, I totally feel you on that weakness. And I really hope that you're, you're really getting that nailed in and dialed in with the scheduling part. The one thing that was really fascinating that I discovered while I was doing those hundred live streams, because they, they were like variable quality, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> if I had the content calendar set up, then they were really strong. But if I didn't, if I was doing it on the fly, just because I got busy and running, mm-hmm. who knew? But what I found out was that I would sometimes get off the, um, the live stream and I would think, oh my gosh, that was awful. And I would get 15 comments. Oh my gosh, I needed to hear that today. Yeah. That was really essential. So one of the things I discovered was that I don't always know what's important for people to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's not what I think. You know, my conversation with my own head is not always accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like... It's swallowing your own pride. That's one of the things I've discovered with this show too, is like, I, I, I used to be more picky about the guests that I would bring on. And what I've discovered is that like the person I think might be a great guest is not the people who are actually great guests. Um, right. And it, it's, it, it, they come from all sorts of walks. And I've discovered like, we're, we're starting to find people who are like brand new in their business can be really, really fascinating guests because they're dealing with a whole different set of issues than someone who's like, we just crossed $60 million in our business, right? And mm-hmm. it's, it's a very different conversation and people love to see, like I said earlier, go back to the contrast. They like to see the different stages in business. So yeah, I, I have to tell myself to shut up and just be like, you know, let's see where the conversation takes us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's fascinating. It's really an amazing and wonderful thing, I think. Absolutely. Um, and it's cool to see that it happens in different industries too, not just, you know, talking entrepreneurs on podcasts, right? You guys are, you're dealing with uh, much more heavy stuff than we deal with on this show. <laughs> well, I mean, but entrepreneurs, the thread of, of thinking and heart and grit of an entrepreneur, that seems to run throughout as far as I can tell. It does. Yeah, um, I think that's one, one of the reasons why I enjoy these kind of conversations so much is because it, it speaks very clearly to the human experience yeah. um, and applies to other various parts of your life. And right, if you know how to, you know, in a business when you're like, hey, I need to hit a goal and stretch and do that thing, right? Like that skill set applies whether or not you're an entrepreneur, right? It applies to your kid who's learning right. to play baseball or to you know someone who's working for the next promotion of their job right it's a it's that same like skill set so it's a it's we get to talk about some cool universal things on this uh, on this show which is fun <laughs> well and failing forward is essential yeah being able to you know we we talk about success all the time so so pet peeves success and happiness yeah in reality we go up and down in the happiness sadness you know, it's life isn't all happy. Yeah. And we're not always successful. Yeah. Yeah. Because and otherwise it's all a flat sometimes line. You just crash into the wall. Right. And, and you're like, Oh, well now I've got to figure everything else out. Cause I smashed my bike and I can't, you know, can't walk cause I broke my leg. Right. You got to change things. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. And it's like on, on the same, the same like line, one of my pet peeves with uh, marriage, you were married for 25 years is like Hollywood particularly is just terrible at this. They talk about marriage like it's some sort of this constantly like in love, Twitter pated feeling, you know, like Bambi in springtime. And, right, right, right. and the problem is, is like the whole Twitter patient Bambi in springtime is seasonal, right? It comes and goes. Um, and you have to have a foundation for your relationship that is more than those feelings that you see on the Hollywood big screen all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you have to learn to, um, learn to actually like love and continue to run your relationship when those come and go. 
Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's why when I went on Bumble, I was so, basically, I knew I couldn't cope with a lot of, I had a strategy. I basically ran it like a business. Mm -hmm. So I didn't care what the other person wanted. I wrote down the things that I wanted to do with a man. Yeah. And then I saw if my profile attracted those things. And if it didn't, I changed the profile till I started getting only men who wanted to do what I wanted to do. That's I mean, genius. it was, it worked brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> genius hacking the, uh, hacking the, the dating, the online dating stuff, which is, you know, that's also, it's a, it's a really interesting thing too. Cause you have like for speaking to the, uh, the widower community today would be vastly different than doing it 20 years ago, just because of some of the technology resources that you have available. Right, where um, you can meet people all over the world when, you know, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do that. Well, the last time I had dated when I went on Bumble was 1992. Yeah. So it gives you a sense of how utterly out of practice I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. terrifying. <laughs> I've, uh, I've told my wife if she ever passed away, that'd be it for me. I'd never know how to date again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is which is true. So um, I want to want to move on a, again a little bit and talk about mm -hmm. common enemies, right? So we talk about common enemies all the, on on this show all the time, and the common enemy is particularly with regard to your clients, right? So when you bring on a new client, and um, and you're working with them, you probably see some common threads of things that they struggle with. And yep. if you had a magic wand and you could just wave it and get rid of those struggles and you know they could just rock it forward in their results and everything, what do you say one of those common struggles, one of that common enemy that you see all the time or regularly with your clients when you help, when you bring them on and start working with them and help them through these uh, transitions? Uh, I would say mindset is to some degree a common enemy. So people get so focused on, well, I've shifted my mindset and I've been really working on shifting my mindset but nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. These are patterns that have been going on my whole entire life. And so there's a way in which mindset has become the magic bullet. And it's really important to have a good mindset or you're yeah. not going anywhere. But as the only thing that you're doing, as the major focus, without action, without making a move in some direction, you don't open up your landscape. Yeah. You're not ever seeing a different view. Like you're down in the rut, unless you climb out of the rut and get up onto the hill, you're just seeing the top of the rut. Yeah, that's, I actually just wrote an article about that the other day. Um, it was talking more about um, negative self-talk, but the idea is that you are not your thoughts. Right. You, you're defined by your actions, not by the things that you think. So, if you want to, like, you can change your mindset all you want. Um, but if it's only ever in your head, you haven't changed anything about who you are. Right. You, you change who you are by changing the things that you do consistently. The other thing is the idea that you can have a, that you can make right choices all the time, mm -hmm. which goes along with success. Nobody makes right choices all the time. Nobody on the planet makes right choices all the time. I've certainly tried, never, man, man, never managed to succeed at that. <laughs> right, and everybody would say that, right? Yeah. But if you make a choice and then you look, this is what I did with Bumble, then you look, okay, what are the results I'm getting with this choice? Okay, well, we need to tweak a little bit this way. We need to go a little bit that way, right? You just change something and then you get your results. Yeah. And then you called, act on those results. I had a, a leadership group I was in a, in a part of. We called that plan, do, check, and adjust, right? Plan is the mindset. Then you do something about it. And then you check the results and then you adjust your plan and you do it again. And it's right. just a repeating cycle. Plan, do, check, adjust. And that's actually how you have forward motion. But because humans prefer to be really more like comfortable. The planning we really like the planning stage. We really right? like that one. It's our favorite. We'll just, we'll just set up camp in the planning stage and never leave. <laughs> right. But then you don't yeah. explode out. Then you don't get to become who you can become. 
because it's in the the motion forward. I mean, I I have a client right now, and I have her doing um, five, four, three, two, one. Make a decision. Step yeah. somewhere. Do something. Just do something. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. Then adjust. It's something we uh, we see in a, um, a couple of uh, entrepreneurial groups that I'm a part of that are helping young entrepreneurs move their businesses forward. Mm -hmm. um, is they're like they want to they'll they'll spend all the, all a lot of time in the I got to get my business name right and I got to get the LLC formed and I got to get the business cards and I got to get my website right and I got to get all the copyright and I get all of my services like all the product details for my services listed out and they'll spend six months a year two years and they're like they still haven't like brought anything to the market and asked a client if they actually want to buy. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the other thing that happens is people go into something and they say, okay, I'm going to go into this field because there's a lot of people who want this thing, mm -hmm. but they don't check in with themselves to see if that's something that they want to deliver, that that's yeah. something they care about. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they've already lost. Yeah. That's uh, that's another thing that's come up on the show a lot. We call that uh, knowing the monster you, you're building. Right. Exactly. Like, like you have to, because you're going to build a monster either way. You might as well build one you want to keep at home as a pet, right? Instead of one that you're afraid of and you don't enjoy being around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you check in with yourself first, then you screen all the choices through who you are. Mm -hmm. That's a good business. It is. Absolutely. Um, and I assume it goes the same way if you're like with, you were talking about getting back into the dating world after becoming a widower. Um, you have to know what it is that you're looking for instead of just, you know, any man. <laughs> well, honestly, I didn't know. I mean, yeah. I had no idea. I hadn't dated anyone since 1992. Yeah. And so it was, okay, well, I would read the profiles and I would think, do I like that? Do I not like that? And I literally started making distinctions about what I cared about so that I could make choices. And, and the online dating app was a brilliant way to do that fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if only there was online dating for businesses, right? You'd be I like, know, right? Do I like this business? Yeah, no, I don't. Because you, you could like get a sense of like, what's the work like after you've started this business and like, what are the customers like and that kind of stuff? That'd be cool. Maybe someone should invent it. That, that is actually a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. Online dating for a business idea. Um, yeah. That's kind of yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk a little about your driving force. So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you, Allison, fight for with your um, Bad Widow brand? So my belief is that if people really knew who they were and what their true capacity was, um, outside of their situations and circumstances that the world sort of defines them as, well, you're divorced, well, you lost a business, well, you lost a house, well, you got downsized, well, you, like people aren't that, but they start getting defined by that. Um, well, you're old, well, you're young, well, you're fat, well, you're, you know, whatever. Um, if people really knew who they were, we could solve every single challenge in the world. because people would be doing what they loved. They would be getting whatever they needed to really thrive on their own terms. And then they would have space and energy to spend on the things that they really cared about. So if someone cared about climate change, they would start putting some energy towards that. If someone cared about education, they would put energy towards that. So if you freed up all the stuff people spend surviving and think they're thinking they're not enough, the whole world would change. Yeah. The whole world would change. And that's really what I'm about. Like, let's disrupt these conversations. I was, uh, um, I just, just started working with a, uh, with a concierge doctor for my own health. And one of the things that he did, which I think is just incredibly fascinating. And I think it speaks to exactly the same idea was he was like, we're not going to start with like the typical health things was he's like, what we're going to do is we're going to do microscopic blood testing. And we're going to look at like what, how, the health of your individual blood cells and right, yep. like, and see, um, see all sorts of things about your, your health. And then we did genetic testing. We're like, let's see what your body and health is telling us about your genes and like the kind of stuff that would, would, you know, that you would struggle with that someone else might not. 
right? Or the other way around, things that you'll thrive with that other people would struggle with um, and build a plan from there. And then he was like, we went through all of the results from the testing after we got it all back. And it was just, it just blew me away. But yep. some of the things that I learned was it was like, he's like, you have, you know, you've got this genetic thing here that's paired with this stuff from your diet and your past, right? And I had, I had like chronic strep throat growing up. So I have a, had a lot of antibiotics through my whole high school and college career. He's like, you have a high toxic load in your system, right? right? And having a high toxic load means that like your liver's not performing at hundred percent. It's probably performing at 30 or 40%. And he's like, and your, your gallbladder is not performing at hundred percent. he's like, so step one is like, let's get rid of all the trash. He's like, and then you'll have so much extra performance available mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can start putting that performance into the things that you really want to do. Um, and, and he was like, he, he's like, you're already a high performing performance entrepreneur. He's yep, like, yep you're probably operating at 30 or 40% of your capacity, right? And so to your point, if we can get everyone, get all the trash out, you know, emotionally and, you know, whatever the you know, things that people are dealing with, there was, there's so much more available to us, right? We have a lot more to give. Exactly, exactly. If nobody was in survival, there would be no problems in the world. Yeah. You know, people would just be bending their attention to that because when people are surviving, that's all they've got space for. Yeah, and yeah, I would like to see that change. Which is funny because that's exactly what the, uh, what the guy said about the uh, results. He was like, he's like, you're, you know, because you have this problem with your gut microbiome, he's like, your, your digestive system is running at full capacity all the time. Yep. He was like, he's like, so that's all it can do. He's like, you can't, you can't reach past where you're at now. He's like, no but if you, yeah, there's no rest for it. And yep. so you have, when you give yourself more space, when you're not in, in, in my case, if your gut's not in survival mode, if it's in healthy mode, then you yep. have lots of extra performance available to you, um, right? And that, that extends far beyond health to exactly what you're saying. If, if people weren't in emotionally surviving or financially surviving or whatever it is, they can thrive. Exactly. And that's not circumstantial. Yeah. That's my driving force. And people assume that they're broken or that the circumstances have broken them. And I say it's a lie. Yeah. Because your, your circumstances don't determine who you are either. It's your response to those circumstances. Yeah. What are you going to do? What's the, it's what you do next that matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a very powerful message and we need more people saying it and getting it out there. So I'm glad you're out doing the work. (laughs) Thank you. So on a more practical note, one of the things we talk about regularly on this show is your hero's tool belt, right? And this is, you know, like maybe you got a big magical hammer like Thor or bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer. It's the practical tools you use to make your business run on a day-to-day basis, right? And my curiosity is what is maybe one or two of the tools you, you know you just couldn't live without today when it comes term, you know, comes to, you know, either managing your client load or you know, processing payments, any of the things that you just have to do to make a business go, what's your favorite tool that you go to or you use all the time? You know, I just couldn't live without this. Uh, acuity scheduling. I love, love, love. Because what I was trying to do was I, I was trying to schedule clients and all the 7 million things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be like, okay, well, you are you available on Tuesday? No, I can't do Tuesday. How about Thursday? How about, and it was just... This vast amount of time <laughs> to do a stupid thing. So now I just, I send out my link. Okay, put yourself in. We're yeah. done. Yeah. That is, uh, that is probably one of my, my most positive responses I get on this show is scheduling and calendars. Is that, uh, that as an entrepreneur, we live and die by our calendar. Right? Yep. And, and I've had like my... My, uh, my parents think I'm crazy that I live and die by my calendar. I'm like, no, you don't understand. My calendar is like, it's my life. And if it's not yep. on the calendar, it's not in my life. My wife, thankfully, totally understands. And like, we have a, a family calendar and my work calendar and everything. And she's like, she checks it. And if she wants me to be available for something, she books something on my calendar and she just sticks it in there and, it, and then it blocks out the time because like, that's how my life runs. Um, and yeah, so like acuity scheduling and schedule once. And like, I think we use simply schedule appointments in for, for this one um, yeah. and it's just it's a godsend and I don't know how I would run my life or my business without it nowadays well it's it's a 
it's a stupid time consuming thing. Yeah. And, and life is not just business. So, you know, you have family. Uh, my, when my husband died, his mom is Australian. I'm the only family left here. So even though I now have a boyfriend, I also have a mother-in-law that I take care of who's 96. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of these things need to go in or I miss them. Yeah. You know, I literally won't go to something and I'll go, oh, shoot, it, it didn't get in my calendar. It didn't exist for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it, it teaches a bit of respect for your time too, realizing that your time is, it's that precious resource. It's the one you don't get more of. Yeah. Um, and when you realize that, you know, I mean, you mentioned the whole trying to schedule things. That's it. It's a, it's a waste of time, but on the same token, it's, it's a waste of time for everyone who's involved. Right. And, you know, if you miss something because it wasn't on your calendar, it was a waste of time. Right. And so like learning how to use and manage your calendar um, is such a vital aspect of really being in control of your life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. The other thing I use a lot is Google. Yeah. The Google, Google suite. slides, Google suite, Google, everything, Google Excel, yeah. you know, blows me away. I remember, I remember one day in college a number of years ago, 10 or 15 years ago now that um, I remember reading it. I was always one of those kids that read all the tech stuff and someone saying that, you know, someday in the future, far, far future, there's going to be cool apps that live in the cloud and you won't have to download the apps to your computer anymore and it'll be able to access them from your, your thing. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool, but that'll never happen. And now like <laughs> I run my entire business out of an online cloud suite application. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. It's crazy. But being able to, okay, we'll just make a PDF that we can shoot out and done and done, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, like share a document that you can collaborate on. Um, yep. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it was like, let me, I'll make an edit and then email it to you and you make an edit and, you know, or, you know, if we go way back all the way to the like end of high school, it's like put it on a floppy disk and give you a copy of it and you'd make a copy of it. And there's 15,000 different versions of your document by the time you're done. And now you just have like one source of truth. And, you and can contracts and e-signing, you know, just it's much, yeah. much more efficient. And I mean, even like you mentioned contracts, like taking payment nowadays is just so easy. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool what technology has allowed us to do for, for businesses. Um, and to your point, help people get their message across. Right? Um, well, and it's a, it's a fabulous time to be an entrepreneur because the technology gives us an agility that allows us to compete with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I call it the uh, golden age of business. Oh, I agree. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool time to be in. So move on a little bit. And I want to talk about your own personal heroes, right? So just like Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, who were some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors? Were they speakers or authors, maybe peers who were a couple of years ahead of you in your business? Um, and how important were they to what you've accomplished so far with, with the Bad Widow um, brand? Um, Oprah Winfrey, Richard Branson. Typically, my heroes are um, Warren Buffett. Um, That's a good one. My mom. Yeah. Um, because they... Typically, my heroes are people who have had a ripple effect and people who's, who are about service mm -hmm. and about contribution. Uh, Tony Morrison, people who disrupt conversations, existing conversations to create newer conversations. I'm, I'm kind of passionate about following a lot of women because women aren't recognized are doing extraordinary things in the world and are not recognized nearly as often yeah nearly as often um as men are uh um jennifer lawrence i love i like people who disrupt the status quo if the status quo is not working i will follow anyone who's breaking it up um because i think that's the only way that change happens yeah. Um, yeah. My mom was a, um, you know, she she was in um, Minneapolis, St. Paul. She was on the the mayor's commission. She was working on Vision Zero, um, and they named a day for her uh, oh, cool. before she left, April twenty seventh of that year. 
was her day. Um, and then I started writing poetry after Dave died and she started writing poetry as a way to express herself. And she's now been published twice and she's 83. She started writing poetry a year or so ago and is now performing at open mics and, you know, so that kind of bravery and that kind of vulnerability, Brene Brown, I admire. Um, That's cool. And have you, have you seen, like, do you see in your own business that you see that influence and in the decisions that you make and the, the things that you do in your, to grow your business? I do. I do. Um, my business, I'll talk about anything as long as it's brave, vulnerable, and transparent. And I take license to literally discuss anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> all the so, things, even the, uh, the off-topic things that other people won't talk about, right? Politics, sex, religion, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'll talk about anything. <laughs> I try to stay away from politics, politics these days because it's really a rough world out there. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. That is true. So um, I want to bring it home for our listeners a little bit and talk about your guiding principles. So top one or two principles or actions that you use every day in your business that you think contribute to the success and influence of your brand so far, maybe stuff that you wish you had known when you'd started out. Um, one of the guiding principles is to have an accountability partner. So there is a woman that I met, I was made, I was part of a four person pod um, on an online course that I took. And within a week, one person had dropped out. Yeah. And within, you know, a few months, another person had dropped out. Um, but my accountabil accountability partner and I have been talking every week for four years now four years and we say what we're going to do we plan forward into the week so having someone else especially if you're a solopreneur having someone else to hold you accountable not with blame or shame but just this happened this didn't happen okay now what are you going to do yeah is is really critical it gets um, the conversation out of your head and into the real world Exactly. Um, calendaring everything and having the actions go to, to an end. You know, where am I going? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've done from time to time is I just do stuff. If you just do stuff, you never get to a destination. Yeah. Right. So what's the destination? And then what are the various actions that will get me there? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what there's, there's a couple of things that I think are important about that too. Cause I know for the, um, one of the things that we learned with traveling was like, we used to try and plan like every step of the way, like we're going to go to New York and we're going to stop here and here and here and here. And there's like 3000 stops between here and New York. Yep. And that's like impossible to do. Like, you know, cause one thing changes and everything beyond it is all ruined. And so what we've learned as we've become more experienced travelers is that we'll set a destination and we know where we're starting and we go in a direction. Right. Um, and, and so the plan is very fluid um, and it gives us a lot of freedom to really experience and enjoy the journey. Um, and knowing that we have a destination we're going to, but not that every step of the way has been planned out. And I think that's a mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make is they mm -hmm. try to plan every step instead of, as you were just saying, know your destination and then start moving in that direction. Because you don't know what's gonna change along the way. And you don't know who you'll encounter, who might amplify your effect. You don't know what kind of roadblocks you might hit. You don't know uh, if you're gonna take on a particular kind of client and then decide that you hate them yeah. down the road. I mean, it's ha it happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, make, make, a, make a choice when you're setting up the contract where the boundaries aren't clear and you've got that client, but you sure don't want any more of those. Yeah. I mean, these are all mistakes I've made. <laughs> we all have at some point, right? 
Um, and then your other point about having an accountability partner, I've always called them a, a running partner, right? Mm -hmm. um, because because having someone, um, and I, I think I, the reason I've called them a running partner is because I think it, it more clearly specifies what you're trying to do. Um, yeah. And it's that we're, we're both running together, right? We may not be going to the same place, but we're running together and we can talk about our journey and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. And my, my running partner is my best friend now. You know, we've been working together on business, you know, together and apart and separately in all sorts of different various capacities for, I don't know, 15 years now. And um, we, talk, we talk all the time, same kind of stuff. And if it wasn't for him, I know I wouldn't have accomplished any of the things that I've accomplished in my business. Um, and it's just, it's such a vitally important role um, to have someone that you can externalize the conversations you're having about your business with. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Well, I think it's, I think it has a lot to do with one of my favorite quotes is leap and the net will appear. And I think that these people are the net. Yeah. You know, they're the people who, when you're not necessarily feeling, well, I'm, I'm all set and I'm doing great. They're the people who say, you know something, you're okay. We've got you and you are on your way to, to everything that you always wanted. Because yeah. there are discouraging moments in being an entrepreneur, there really are. Yeah, and it actually fits really well with one of the metaphors I use. So I've always talked about business as being the kind of person who jumps off of a cliff and builds a parachute on the way down. Yep. Right, and, and so it's, it's kind of fun to, like the, the metaphor that you just talked about, leap in the, uh, and the net will appear, right? Because yep. you're gonna leap and you have to figure out how to build a parachute, but if you have a running partner, someone you've got, you've got a network below that's like, hey, even if I fail at my parachute, I've got someone who's gonna catch me and help me move forward, right? And I can go climb up the mountain and try again. Exactly. <laughs> and we have complementary skill sets. Yeah. So, you know, we collaborate all the time on our content and what we're doing and how we're planning and it's, it's essential. You can't do it alone. I mean, people think you can do it alone and success is done alone. Success is never done alone. Never. No, it's not. And it's interesting too, because you hear, you hear a lot of time that success is lonely. Um, and, and I get that, like I get, I, and I, I get the, the idea because one of the things I've noticed is like, as my business has gotten more successful, your peer group gets smaller, right? Because the kind of people who understand like the, the work that you've done and the effort you put in to get what you have and to, you know, to, to do what you've, you've accomplished, like there's not a lot of people who are willing to do that and to get to, you know, as you get higher and higher in those levels. And like, I'm, I'm not that high yet, but I've already noticed that like your peer group gets smaller. So I get the idea that success is lonely, but you can't get there by yourself. Nope. So you have to have, uh, have to have the running partners, your accountability partner. <laughs> and if you accept the, the fact that there's no redundancy, there's no competition. There doesn't have to be. No. It's all blue ocean. Yeah. It's a, it's an important point that I don't think people realize. Um, and it's a, it's my, my favorite, my fil favorite illustration for that was uh, something my, my wife and I talked about a number of years ago. She, she was in the side business, sort of like side hustle of decorating 3d cakes for people. Mm -hmm. And she was, and she does cool 3d cakes and it's really, it's a fun little thing, but she, she mentioned to me, she was like, I don't, I don't like, like promoting them and talking about like what she was doing. She's like, cause some people don't like it and they don't like my design style. I don't like those things. And I was like, but see, that's like, those people aren't your customer. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like the, uh, you know, and it doesn't matter if there's 50 other people who are doing it. Like some, someone's going to look at your art style and say, that's what I want. Right. And those right. people are your customers. And particularly in today's day and age, you have access to such a wide swath, swath of the population that you can be you, right. You can be uniquely you and there's enough people out there who are going to be attracted to you and your qualities and your story and your style that um, mm -hmm. there's not really competition. Not really. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's really important to know that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I love about speaking, I don't have any interest in talking people into being my clients. My intention is to talk enough publicly that those people who are my clients can find me to be visible <laughs> enough to be found. Mm -hmm. And 
And I think that's the way to go because then they're not coming to me and saying, why should I hire you? They're coming yeah. to me and saying, what do you have to offer? What resources can you do that will handle my challenges? Yeah. And it's a cool place to in your business when you get to that spot too. Cause that's sort of where I've reached in my business now where like I have people come to me and they're like, Hey, I already know I want to hire you. Like, how does it work? Exactly. <laughs> and that's a very different conversation than trying to convince someone that they should hire you. But uh, that's targeted visibility. Yeah. That's yeah. really it, what that is. Um, and it comes with time, right? It's not something that you can just do overnight. That's right. So that's right. Awesome. So that, that basically wraps up our conversation, but I have one last thing I do on my show every time. Um, I call this the hero's challenge. It's pretty simple. Um, and basically this, do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? So I recommend Camille, my accountability partner, Camille Nisich. Um, she's a cash flow strategist and she makes heroes out of female founders online. Um, she worked for a big tech company, was downsized after 18 years and multiple awards, um, has two children, uh, and is just an extraordinary woman. I mean, unbelievably capable, incredibly dynamic. I love her. I would recommend her all over the planet. And she is an amazing interview. <laughs> awesome. So we will, we will see about uh, reaching out to Camille after the show and we'll uh, see if we can get her on, um, assuming she's willing. So at this point, Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. It was a really fascinating conversation, especially uh, the work that you do for people. And like I said, I do appreciate the work that you do um, and the message you have for people. It's really awesome. So Thank you for doing that as well. Um, and lastly, where can people find you? More importantly, who are the right people to reach out? Um, people can find me at badwidow.com is my website. Um, Bad Widow Wisdom is my Instagram. And if you wanna check out the paintings that are behind me, that are my husband's paintings, uh, bit.ly forward slash dbpenaart. So those are sort of the three places to find me. And if you search for me under Bad Widow or Affluence Code, you'll find me. Awesome. And on the second part of that, who are the sort of like ideal clients to reach out? Um, people going through a transition of any kind um, who are feeling broken, unable to move on from the circumstances, who need to... Um, get more clarity, make faster distinctions, be able to identify where they're going, what direction they're going so they can get there. And also people who are looking to um, proactively build a supportive network that delivers the resources they want. Because when we have transitions, people bug out. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So if you are uh, watching this show, make sure you check out Allison um, at badwidow.com. If you're going through any of those life transitions, obviously you heard a lot of her expertise here today in this show. She's got some cool things to share with you. So definitely take the time to reach out to her. And Allison, do you have any final words of wisdom for our guests before we hit the stop record button on this episode? Thank you so much for having me on the show and leap and the net will appear. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much, Allison. Okay. Bye.